what was your um, job on the railroad and what all did it do? Okay. What all did you do? When I was uh, 15 years old, then I went over here to the Santa Fe Depot and they said, how old are you? And that was between my junior and senior year in high school and I told them I was 16. So they signed me up and sent me out on an extra gang and uh, they called them gandy dancers then and we had 125 men on the gang and we uh, rode spikes all by hand. Now one man does it with a million dollar machine. Yeah, and we worked with them, uh, what they called winos. They'd ship them out of Kansas City, and there was a lot of them wouldn't last all day. And then they'd fire them, they'd ship them back. And we'd go in at night, and if we wasn't careful, those winos, they'd drink her after shave lotion. You know, they they wanted alcohol all the time. And really? they, yeah, and they would, and we slept in these bunk cars right along the side of the tracks, and you didn't have a mattress. You had a, uh, they give you a, a tick, and then you go to the car, and you packed it with straw, mm -hmm. and that was your mattress. And uh, they had a lot of problem back then with bed bugs, and uh, they would, uh, an old Gandhi dancer showed me, if you would take on four legs of your bed, put a coaster or a lid off of a, a bottle or jar, and put a little kerosene in it, then bed bugs wouldn't crawl over that kerosene. Oh, but they were a little bitty bug on that thing. And uh, of course, we all, they made coffee for us guys. They would take a, a pillowcase and just fill it full of so many pounds of coffee and throw it in a big drum. And then that, they just boiled the coffee that way because they had to make coffee for 125 guys at a time. Huh. And then I worked on it. But when they hired us, they said, if you guys don't quit to go back to school, that was between my junior and senior year, summer till Friday, and then we went back to school on Monday. And uh, then uh, after I graduated, I went back on the signal department, and then we went, well, in Illinois, Texas, Oklahoma. And then we strung line wire and done all these signals, and then we took and made those gates, wired those gates where they'd go up and down on that thing. Yeah, on that. So, I mean, it's, but I actually started on the railroad when I was 15. They thought I was 16, but I was only 15 when I was out there. Hold on, huh? Yeah, on it. And uh, then after I decided I wanted to quit, I had a service station there at Marceline. And now you've seen a lot of changes on it. You know, I had the service station where my body shop's at now. And then in 1969, I bought in with Mr. Briggs up here. Now, when I was a kid growing up, from where the uh, overhead bridge is mm -hmm. to the county line, right between the main tracks was solid coal, mm -hmm. and they burnt coal in those engines, and then they converted over to, to oil, and they had a what they called a little doodle bug train, and Dad probably, I don't know whether he remember, but this train went to Kansas City, and then it went up to Fort Madison, and then it would go uh, through to Kansas City in the morning and then come back at night, turned around in Fort Madison. And every six miles, like if you left Marceline, it stopped at Buckland, Hart, Gibbs, and they just set off mail, eggs, chickens. Uh, one time uh, when we was rode on it, we rode to work on it. They even had a casket on there with a the body on it. We'd help the guy unload every six miles and stop and they'd have a guy meet and see all the mail. Like if you had a, they'd have, several passenger trains a day 
people, they would load the mail here and then they'd throw it off at Buckland. If you mailed a letter to Buckland, it would be in Buckland in, in an hour or so, see. Hmm. And uh, every little town all up the way, of course, they'd done away with it. But then they had all these coal uh, engines down there. And then back then, when I was growing up, each train crew had their own caboose. And they would go from Marceline to Fort Madison, or they'd come from Fort Madison, Marceline, and then they'd un unhook the caboose, and they'd put the other caboose that went from here to Kansas City, or from here to Fort Madison. But each train crew had their own caboose they lived in, and of course they eventually done away with the cabooses on that scene. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I went into the service station business, and I stayed in it from 56 to 69, and then I bought in with Mr. Briggs here. Where was on where my body shop is, okay. out there on the highway right across from the Napa store. Okay. And I was in there till uh, 69. And then I come up here and uh, went in with Mr. Briggs and the price, well, just even the price of the automobile, we didn't have a loaded Caprice, was $4,500. Oh, really? And now they're about 22000 see. And I asked Mr. Briggs in here one time, I said, what was the cheapest you ever traded from one year to the next for a new car? He said $100. And I said, what'd they cost new? He said $400. Huh. They didn't have no starter, no heater, no wipers. Uh, and when Mr. Briggs first come in here, they would haul those cars in, hanging up over here on the railroad tracks like sides of beef. Oh, really? And they let them down, and they brought them over here, hauled them over here, and they assembled them right next door. They packed the wheel bearings and everything right, right here. They were the sent right, right next to, right here where we're on the dealership, and uh, the running board, uh, the packing crate was the running board, and and they wouldn't had a wooden running board, and they couldn't tear up the crate because that was going to be the running board huh. when they got through with it on it, and uh, I got, I had the opportunity in 1946. Um, we were in park school. Now this park school was down there where about the laundromat is from Pringers. And back then you went to one, two, three, and four over on that side of the tracks. And then we come over here for the fifth and sixth grade. And then you went back on the other side of the tracks for seventh and eighth. Oh, really? And they had one, two, and three, four grades on this side also. Was that whenever it was still Park mixed, school, yeah. Or not mixed, segregated? Yeah. No, yeah, we were segregated then, but it, and then uh, we took and um, had the uh, the day in '46. I always told my wife uh, I was there the day Walt Disney come in and took our pictures. Oh, really? Yeah. So and you met? Did you get to meet him? Meet, yeah, I met I met him Walt twice, uh, but the time that we was on the uh, playground, he stepped out with a chauffeur and he took our picture with one of these big cameras, one of them old like motion picture cameras. Oh, really? And uh, about a year, a little over a year ago, the uh, lawyer that's doing the life history of Walt from Columbia, Vidger Vets, he's named down there, wanted to know if there was a teacher still alive the day Walt was there. And it was Mrs. Arvid Hansen. Okay. She come from Buckland, you know. And uh, we called her at Moberly. She was living at Moberly and said, um, Mrs. Hansen, do you remember the day that Walt Disney was there? said, I sure did, and she said, I never did forgive Mrs. Kincaid because she never invited him inside the building, and I was taking care of study hall, and I didn't get to see him. Oh, so she never saw She him. never got to see him. And but then, she did. 
I did, yeah, he was right right there. And then when we dedicated the swimming pool, he was here to the Walt Disney School, and he was signing autographs. And I served him a uh, plate of barbecue, and he looked up and said, boy, there's a, heart, a lot of heartburn there. Aren't there? And, and, uh, but he was here that day, so I met him twice. And then uh, when I went through Disneyland in California, they told me to go to the security gate, and they gave me free tickets all day on Disneyland. Oh, really? Yeah, because, because you were from Marceline? Marceline. And, well, yeah, and that was something a little different yeah. on it, too. But uh, And how long ago was that? That was well, back in the... Uh, back in the 60s huh. and uh, that I got to take the tour of Disneyland in there of course I couldn't oh, you know now but I mean that's something uh -huh. different altogether and uh, back then before while I was in school like grade school going we'd work uh, well I worked at a grocery store and you get between five and six dollars a week oh, and, really? and we worked before school after school and all day Saturday and uh, I had a clothing man that I bought my school clothes in from, and I said I paid him a dollar and a half a week for a year and a half, and I never did owe him over $15 at one time, huh. but uh, I had to have school clothes. But we, we was only making five and six dollars a week, see. And then a lot of us had jobs. I did. I had a, a paper route around here. And then uh, we had a, I'd leave early in the morning and I'd carry coal in to these women that their coal shed was behind and they all burnt coal and you'd bring it in and they'd put it in the stove during the day and then you'd come back that night if they needed coal or the next morning and he'd carry the ashes out in the coal and they burned it in that and then they had a rooming house right up there by the head bridge parkers running and they uh, had these railroad crews they changed them all day and night and we then I thought the greatest thing they ever come they come out with an auger where you could fill the hopper full of grain and 24 hours it, it would auger the coal in. Oh, yeah. And you didn't have to fill it up only once a day. Well, that was quite a deal on it, uh -huh. too, see. And that made a lot of difference on it, too. But there's a lot of difference. There's a lot of difference in the type of living, see, now. At the time, then, they had, it was segregated. They took all of the colored children and went to Dalton. They picked them at Dalton, Missouri. It's down here oh. on the other side of Keatsville. But they picked them up in a school bus. For Marceline. Marceline. And they went down there and they were segregated. And matter of fact, uh, back in the uh, 50s when they borrowed us from the Illinois Division, they had a bad tornado went through Udall, Kansas and killed 80 people in the middle of the night. And they rushed those crews in. Well, they took us to Ardmore, Oklahoma, and Gainesville, Texas to do the wiring for them to put these gates and all of that stuff in. And we was down there three months, but they still had the restrooms that still said in the Santa Fe Depot that said white man, colored man, white woman. They had four separate toilets inside the, which I wish I'd have took a picture because it's something in history yeah. you'd never, never see again. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's all right. Okay, so um, when did you, what else did Briggs Cup, I mean, you know, tell me, will you tell me a little bit more about that, about the business in Marceline and just maybe even your experience with the Shriners? Yeah, and uh, of course, what the reason that I uh, got so involved with the Shriners, I had polio when I was a kid. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I was in the, uh, Mercy Hospital in Kansas City for three weeks 
and then they transferred me to the Crippled Children's Home in Marshall, Missouri, and I was down there five months and a week. Mm -hmm. Well, I, my, my mother didn't have a car, and I seen her one time in six months. And uh, they had what they called the iron lung inside of this, and we were taught, there was four of us, mine was in my leg, but there was four of us taught to run the iron lung. And what it was, it was like a blacksmith's bellows. You'd grab a hold of the handle, and you'd pump it. If this kid, if, if he was out of air, five minutes they would die. A lot of them infected their lungs. And then uh, they took and uh, just, uh, they didn't have standby power, basically what it is now. If, you know, if our power goes off, then they got uh, these hospitals have standby. But we were taught to use the iron lung. So when I was in the uh, Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon, well, they had bought us a bed in. Back then, you had wards of kids, 25 or 30 in one room. Well, that meant we had a new patient. Well, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, here come one of them Shriner clowns, and he jumped in bed and said he was sick. Well, he had feet on him about two foot long, sticking out from underneath the sheet. They had to have a doctor. Well, they brought in a doctor. He had one of them silver-looking things on his head, mm -hmm. and they brought a castor oil bottle about two or, two, or, two or three foot tall with a spoon about two or foot. They were going to doctor him with castor oil. Huh. And us kids was just sitting right up on the seat. We thought that was the greatest thing it was. And four of those Shriners left there, every kid had a coloring book or they had something, and a Shriner was in every kid's bed. And I made up a vow then, if I was ever able to walk, I was going to go into the shrine. And see, I'm on this shrine hospital committee now. Oh, really? And since 1966, we've got a meeting tonight. We've sent over 90 kids from this area to the shrine hospital. And That's one thing about on the shriners, if no matter what that bill costs, I mean, it's free, you know. And, and their operating budget today is $450 million this year, and it, most of it is from endowments. People die and they will a lot of money, and they operate off the endowments on it. But that's one reason that I went on to the shrine. And, and what it, year did you go into it? I've been in it now, uh, let's see, probably I've been in it 25, 30 years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 66 is probably longer than that now, I, you know, but I mean, because we've been doing it since 66 or whatever, those two, that's been 35, 40 years I've been in the shrine, but we send kids, I've got applications in now for other kids, and we've helped kids in Buckland and, mm -hmm. you know, all over, but uh, it's one of the, to my notion, one of the finest organizations for, to help these kids out there. I didn't way. know any of that that you just told me. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, well, that, see, I, my, this leg was paralyzed from underneath me. Oh, really? Yeah, and I walked on crutches for about six months. They had a Catholic sister by the name of Kennedy that believed in heat treatment, and uh, they wanted to cut the leaders behind my leg, and I'd be stiff-legged all my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mother would not sign for them to cut my leaders, and but they had this Catholic uh, sister, and her name was Kennedy, and they would take uh, like uh, old army blankets, and they put them in real hot water, and then they throw them on your leg, and the kids that had polio on their hands, they would dip them down in wax, 
and they pull it out and they made it like a glove and then they peel it off for arthritis they still every once in a while you see it but she she did not believe but she believed this heat treatment and that's what they used on me they throw them towels on your leg and i mean it they was hot they wouldn't burn you but they was extremely hot they had a certain temperature and she believed on working these muscles and making them work with heat and that's the reason i'm walking i think today that treatment really? yeah and it's something you know you you can't hardly believe especially the kids today is the dreaded thing of polio i mean you know it's quite a deal Interesting. <laughs> well, um, anything else that I don't know of anything is that get enough for you? Yeah. If you if you want to stop, we can stop. If you want to keep on, we yeah, can go no, ahead. Yeah. No, that'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> what What's amazing? The day I was 16 years old, I went to Miss McKinney's office. I bought my driver's license. I didn't have a car and couldn't drive. I couldn't drive. And she wrote your driver's license out just like you had fishing license. Oh, really? Handed it to you and out the door you went. Uh-huh. But you, you had your driver's license. Cost, and, cost a quarter. And you didn't have to do paperwork? No paperwork. Just walked in and said, Mitten McKinney, she didn't ask you for nothing. She said, I'm 16 years old today. She said, come right on in. Give her a quarter, and she wrote out. I think she got a dime, and the state got fifteen cents. And wrote out your driver's license, and handed it to uh -huh. you. And were you actually sixteen? I was sixteen. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The day I was sixteen, I went out and told her, and that was it. You had your driver's license. Huh? Yeah. What was your first car that you got? I think it was a 1936 Hudson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Yeah. I hope. I